tonight. We dip our toes into the concepts of environmental racism and eco-socialism. I'm Roaming Millennial, and you're watching Uncensored. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we delve into the topics of environmental racism and eco-socialism. Yes, those are real things. You heard it here first, folks. You see, recently the news cycle has been completely dominated by talk of the Green New Deal, a resolution that's been introduced by none other than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And if you missed our last episode here on Uncensored, you should really check it out, in that we read through the document itself to see what it actually says and promises. If you're a subscriber to Blaze TV, you can check out the video on there, and if you're not for some unimaginable reason subscribe then you can still catch the audio only version as part of the roaming millennial uncensored podcast on itunes spotify and google play you see like intersectionality and stds i too am everywhere these days but long story short the highlights from that resolution are that climate change is apparently exacerbating racist and sexist inequalities in the country so to solve that we should try to implement full-on socialist policies like free money healthcare, college housing and pretty much just everything not kidding that's that's literally what the resolution says and as crazy as that sounds and is if you're anything like me you're probably wondering but why? Because, I mean, we have separate concepts like socialism, radical environmentalism, and social justice. And sure, it does kind of seem like if someone supports one of those things, then they probably support the others as well. But I've always been kind of iffy about what exactly, if anything, ties all those things together. What's the ideological basis behind the Green New Deal? Because the resolution itself doesn't actually get into that. So to answer that question, I did some research. And by that, I mean I watched some YouTube videos to find out exactly what ties these concepts together. And I thought we'd start with a little video called Environmental Racism Explained by Al Jazeera Plus. Because, guys, if there's anyone I want lecturing me about racism, it's the anti-Semitic network funded by a country that's been accused of sponsoring terrorism. Please, enlighten us, Al Jazeera. When we think of racial injustice, we think police brutality or the criminal justice system. But what about our air and water? See, you can already tell that this is going to be a hit. This is going to be good. Environmental racism. It's about policies and practices that discriminate against communities of color by making them live near landfills, sewage plants, and other polluting facilities. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that we all know this, but just in case for kicks and gigs i'm gonna go ahead and say it anyway there there is nothing now or i'm pretty sure that has ever existed that has said that non-white people need to live next to pollution or that makes non-white people live next to pollution like that's not a thing that exists but i think the problem here is that when it comes to the words racism and discrimination that they're using to define these policies and habitation patterns they don't actually mean racism and discrimination they seem to be using a very incorrect but very social justice definition of those terms what racism actually means is discrimination against a particular race or discrimination against someone because of their race but this video and really all the material that i've seen talking about environmental racism seem to be 
operating under the assumption that racism means something disproportionately affecting people of a certain race, which is just not what it means. And don't get me wrong, on average, non-white people may indeed be more likely to live in areas that are more polluted, but it's not because anyone has ever told them, hey guys, here's some pollution, I'm gonna need you to live near it. And while poverty has a lot to do with it, the leading environmental justice expert told me this. Racism trumps class. Even middle-income African-Americans are more likely to live in more polluted neighborhoods. In fact, one study found that black Americans making fifty dollars to $60,000 a year are more likely to live in polluted neighborhoods than white Americans who make just $10,000 a year. Okay, so I am glad that they at least mentioned poverty because obviously when we're talking about why people live where they live, that's going to be a huge part of it. Pollution often comes from industrial plants and factories, places where things are manufactured. And what those kinds of places all tend to have in common isn't just hating non-white people and the environment, is that they all tend to require a lot of space. Usually factories and manufacturing plants require large amounts of land to be built on. So when people are planning where they're going to build their plant, they tend to choose places where land is really cheap to save money. And of course, land is cheaper in poorer areas. And as anyone who is familiar with the socioeconomic situation in the United States knows, poor areas do tend to be disproportionately non-white. So cost of land is one reason that has nothing to do with racism, why non-white people might be more likely to live in areas that are more polluted. And another reason that, again, has nothing to do with racism is that people tend to like to live kind of close to where they work. And when it comes to factories, a lot of the workers who are blue-collar workers may also be disproportionately people of color. And regarding the idea that even when they're wealthier, black people are still more likely to live in polluted areas than white people, well, you gotta remember, urban areas are more likely to be polluted than rural areas, and black people are disproportionately represented in urban areas when compared to rural areas. Now, there's nothing stopping black people from moving out to the country where there's more nature and cleaner air, but that just doesn't seem to be, on average, based on demographic trends, what they want to do. And I'm not saying any of this to excuse or justify pollution, but if you're looking at this situation and you're seeing racial prejudice as a motivating factor to determining where these factories are being built. That ain't it. Flint, Michigan is a textbook case of environmental racism. It's where 100,000 residents have been poisoned with toxic water contaminated by high levels of lead. Why? Because the state was trying to save a buck. Flint is around 57% black with 40% of its population living in poverty. Residents protested the dirty water for over a year, but were ignored. And that's how environmental racism plays out. Now, the situation in Flint with the water is awful, terrible, inexcusable, yes. But just because something affects black people or affects black people disproportionately, still not enough to call it racist. To say that something is racist, you've got to be able to prove that it was done because of prejudice toward a certain race. And when it comes to Flint, I'm sorry, but it kind of seems like corruption and incompetence are a safer bet than racism. Southwest Detroit is surrounded by a lot of industry, like salt mining, steel production, tar sands, oil refining, and coal burning. And that's meant that 1.6 million pounds of chemicals enter that community yearly. But look, environmental racism isn't just a Michigan story, it's an American story. 
Take for example Louisiana's Cancer Alley, an 85-mile stretch along the Mississippi River. It's known for its over 200 petrochemical plants and a high rate of cancer, mainly among black residents. Yes, all of those things are awful and concerning, and I don't think that companies should be able to put whatever the heck they want into our air and water. Personally, I see it as a violation of our property rights because that air, that water, that doesn't just belong to them, that belongs to all of us. If you have any ideas or innovations or incentives to make factories more green and more efficient, then trust me, I am all ears. But to try to bring race into this, that just kind of seems like you're being intersectional for intersectionality's sake. I kind of feel like whoever coined the term environmental racism must have been playing like intersectionality bingo or something where you randomly take a political concern like environmentalism and then randomly pick an immutable characteristic like race and you try to explain how in some way those two things might be connected. But fine, whatever, at least conceptually now we can understand why environmentalism and race might be connected. But then that still begs the question, where does socialism come into this in the Green New Deal? Even if we accept the idea that climate change is exacerbating racial tensions and racial inequality, why would that leave the door open to socialism? And you know what, I tried to find a clip of Ocasio-Cortez herself explaining this since it is her resolution that everyone's talking about, but she's not exactly the most insightful speaker, if I can say that without being sexist. So instead, to explain to us exactly what eco-socialism is, here is a clip of Victor Wallace, the author of Red Green Revolution, the politics and technology of eco-socialism. Uh, it combines the uh, idea of ecology with that of socialism. And I argue in my book that it's, this is a very natural uh, combination in the sense that both of them clash with the idea that uh, production decisions should be made on the basis of, of profit. They both uh, adhere to the idea that decisions on what to produce, how to produce, and how much of it, and so on, uh, should be made on the basis of some uh, better criterion. So in one sense, it's even redundant to put the eco prefix onto it because socialism implies that you make decisions on the basis of what's in the interests of people, and you can't legislate in the interest of people without taking into account the environment. Oh, I get it. Because climate change is bad for humanity, and racial injustice is also bad for humanity, and socialism is good for humanity, clearly socialism is the answer here. Seriously though, that's not at all what socialism means. Socialism isn't just, oh, we care about humanity and we take humanity's interests into account when making decisions. Socialism is the communal ownership and regulation of the means of production. And I know some of you commies in response to that might be thinking, well, yeah, if we communally own the means of production and we communally care about humanity and the environment, then socialism will be good for humanity and the environment. I mean, I guess in a weird way, since socialism does tend to lead to people dying and just businesses closing down, it could be argued that it is in fact good for the environment since it kills industry and sends us back to the stone ages. But I kind of have a feeling that that's not what you guys have in mind. Ultimately though, when it comes to the Green New Deal, as terrible as it is, I am kind of glad that we are at least now talking about things like pollution and environmentalism more than we were before. But the horrors of socialism aside, I think the problem that so many of these radical environmentalists have is that they're, they're 
kind of dumb when it comes to issues like economics and science. Just because we would like to run the entire planet on electricity generated by solar and wind, that doesn't mean we can, at least not yet, at least not for a while. And like I said before, I do not believe that companies should be able to dump whatever the heck they want into our air and water. But at the same time, there is a cost associated when it comes to regulation. Unfortunately, green policies do tend to make manufacturing more expensive for companies. And sure, you can say that money should be no object when we're talking about saving the environment, but the truth is that these policies still have effects on everyday people. And ironically enough, the marginalized communities progressives like to say that they're fighting for, like people of color and poor people, they're the ones who tend to bear the brunt of the negative effects of these policies. When green policies are passed and the cost of manufacturing increases, that tends to lead to layoffs in the manufacturing industry and related sectors, and these jobs are disproportionately blue-collar and non-white. So now these groups who were already more vulnerable are also now less likely to have a job and not only that but now so many of the goods that they need to purchase just to live day to day are also more expensive since companies are passing off these higher costs onto consumers and then when environmental regulations are taken even further then at a certain point companies will just say yeah it's cheaper to pack up and move to a different country and just pay to ship the products back here than it is to build them here and so in that case not only would all of those jobs for those communities be gone but now those companies are also operating overseas in countries where there's pretty much no environmental regulations where they can just pollute as much as they want. Obviously, this is a really hard issue to tackle. We can't just say, eh, screw the environment, who cares? And we also can't say, no, you don't need a job to feed your family, forget about it. I may not have the answers here, but I'm still pretty sure the answers aren't environmental racism and eco-socialism. But as always, I would love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you next time.